There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. UVA okay. football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow-tie-wearing, brie-cheese-eating, NASCAR-wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. It is Sunday around 8 o'clock, and it was a good week for UVA basketball. It was a slow week for football, but we got some more stuff today today to talk about. And with me right now is Rob Elder. As always, Rob, how are you doing today? Great, man. Always, always great to be back on. Always great to be back on. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the UVA basketball win over Maryland, which happened on Wednesday. And then we're going to jump into some football analysis. UVA's bowl game was announced today. They're going to be in the Belk Bowl versus South Carolina. So we're going to dive in. We're going to take a look at South Carolina. And then we're going to see what we think about this bowl game. And so, Rob, I want you to start off with what you thought about the basketball game and your overall thoughts. Yeah. No, I mean, it was a good win. It was a good win. You know, we have... Two wins versus ranked teams now, which is mm-hmm. nice. You know, Wisconsin and now Maryland. And, you, you know, it's a tough place to play. First true road game of the season. I like the win. And it was it was was not as close as the score made it seem either. You know, Virginia was leading by double digits most of that game, kind of until the final few minutes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was happy. I'm curious to hear what you think, too. Yeah, I mean, the score was 76 to 71. We played at Maryland as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And I think this was a really good game for us because it really tested our guys a lot. And I think one of the interesting things is that Mar- you know, Maryland was an old ACC rival. And so Maryland uh, fans, uh, mostly the students, uh, kind of suck anyway. Mm-hmm. So what... <laughs> Men in Black Knight, give I, me a break. <laughs> I mean, so so what we had here was a basically like an old rivalry game. Uh, the students were hyped up, and the the stadium was sold out. It seats about seventeen thousand, probably a little bit more than that. And so it was a really uh, intense atmosphere. I had some friends friends who were at the game who were just saying that it was super loud, super intense. Uh, but the team pulled it out, and that's not something that we have done yet this season. Has played a true road game, uh, much less a true road game against a team like Maryland, who will probably do much better in the Big Ten this year than people were expecting. Hmm. They, they, I was really impressed with Maryland. Yeah. Off the bat, especially Bruno Fernando. Yeah, he's legit. He's a legit player. He was a man amongst other men on that court, especially uh, against Jack Salt in the first half. Bruno Fernando just basically could get whatever he wanted. Jack Salt did a lot better in the second half, too. But I mean, good God. Like, he had some dunks that I, I, that were incredible. And like if you're doing them against a Tony Bennett defense, then like just good luck to everybody else. Yeah. Like Yeah, and so I'm I'm excited to see what Maryland's gonna do in the Big Ten. I think this win's gonna look much better as the year goes on. Uh hopefully they don't like fall off like they can sometimes. But I, I was impressed with how we handled the pressure. Uh even when Maryland started to catch up at the end, the the game score was ended up seventy six to seventy one, as mm-hmm. I said, but we were up by a lot in the second half. We were up by 17 uh, right before the under 16. I think it's good to see that even though there was pressure, we didn't crumble Mm -hmm. from it. Yeah, I mean, the guys played well, and it was one of those games. It's, you know, what it's going to be like in a big ACC game or Mm -hmm. a tournament game where the starters pretty much play the whole time, you know? 
the starter who played the fewest amount of minutes actually was Ty Jerome. And he was, he, played, in fa- he was in foul trouble. Yeah, he played 31 minutes. I think he picked up two fouls in the first half. He or picked up like two that. fouls in the first half, sat for about maybe the last eight or 10 minutes. And but everyone else played 34 or more minutes. Jack Salt played 34, Kihei and DeAndre played 35, and Kyle played 38. I mean, I don't know if we expected this coming into the season, this those starters getting those kinds of minutes. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a great place to start is Braxton Key, who started the first couple games this year, mm-hmm. only played 11 minutes. You know, Mamadi Diakite, who started some games this year, only played 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then kind of the fourth guy in this, or the fifth guy, whoever's going to be the starter, mm-hmm. you know, the mystery guy, because we know Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, Jack Saul, they're all going to start each night. But whoever this fifth guy is, it's kind of rotate a little bit. And here comes Kihei Clark, you know, your five my, five nine freshman mm-hmm. playing 35 minutes. And yeah. uh, I think I'll, I'm curious to hear what you think about this too, but to me, 35 minutes in a place like College Park, I mean, that's got to be great experience for him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can look at the uh, the last uh, couple minutes where Kihei actually hit some free throws. They fouled him uh, with probably about two or one minutes left, and he made some of those free throws. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not easy for a, for a freshman, much less a 5'9 freshman, much less at a place like Maryland. Yeah. So I was impressed with him. He only had four points, but... He played really well. He handled the ball well. There was some pressure that Maryland brought. He uh, did not have any turnovers, which was really important. And picked up two steals. Picked still. up two steals, so, and he had uh, a couple of rebounds as well. So I mean, I don't think you're going to find a player who played better with only four points than you will, you know, <laughs> Kihei Clark right. that night. Right, right, right. <laughs> like you know, he played. He played really well, and you know, he's he's going to be a big piece and definitely a bigger piece than. Than anyone thought. thought. I don't think anyone knew. I mean, I I always say that I really liked his game coming in, but of course I didn't know his game. I just liked that, you know, he's this hard-nosed 5'9 guy, but man, he can play and he is not intimidated by anyone. Like he was going up against some very um, big Maryland guards and Maryland Mm -hmm. always seems to have these really athletic guards that can just get into the paint and score but he was not intimidated by any of them. I yeah. mean, he he was uh, guarding them, picking them up at half court. He was pestering them the whole night. He was incredible. Like I knew he'd have to play mm-hmm. just because of the guard depth or lack thereof. But yeah. I had no idea, no idea this was coming. No, and I think one of the things that you <laughs> wanted to talk about was whether or not he is going to be a fixture in the starting lineup for the rest of the year. And I think that. I want to hear your thoughts on it first. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is, you know, we only played one game this week. Football, we'll get to some content. So, we're trying to we're trying to ask some questions, you know, see. We're going to look ahead a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, explore exploring. a little bit. So, Kihei Clark, one thing we're kind of curious to see is, you know, he's had a good run so far to start the season. But can it continue? You know, what's his ceiling? Uh, and what's he going to look like against ACC teams? To me, I mean, I think, I don't know what his scoring numbers are going to be. I don't mm-hmm. know what his scoring numbers are going to be. And, you know, quite frankly, it, we might see a lot of games like we've seen against Maryland where he only has four points. But mm-hmm. I think he's just too valuable a piece right now to not continue to get these minutes. I I think he's going to continue to get these minutes. And, you know, we'll see what his impact is. But he's had impact and two games against two good teams in Wisconsin and Maryland. I think something important to look at with Kihei is what he brings to the table that other players do not. And one thing is his on-ball defense, which is really good so far. I mean, he's, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll keep going. No, 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 go. go (laughs) Well, I mean, you look at the way he provides a quickness that just Mm -hmm. we don't have on our team and really haven't had on our team in a long time. And his ability, just like you said, is... I mean, he can play guys as they're bringing the ball up court just because mm-hmm. he has that quickness to keep up with them, Yeah, which is great. We haven't had a point guard like that in a long time. No, no. And I think the other thing to look at is what his maturity. And I think his maturity is something that was overlooked when we, especially us, but other people scouted him as well. Because when you have freshmen come in, you see this all the time where 
they need to pick up the the pace of the game and they they aren't quite ready physically and even though he might not be the most physical specimen out there yet right Mm -hmm. he's got a couple more years under tony to get a little bit bigger but i mean his maturity and his uh knowledge of the game and his ability to create and to keep things alive and keep things moving is really beyond what a freshman usually does i mean if you look at london when Mm -hmm. he came in london was pretty much the same thing he didn't have the quickness of kihei he probably had a little bit more offense uh, Mm -hmm. compared to kihei but London had the same kind of impact when he came in as a freshman and he was able to control the team basically from within the first couple of games. Yeah. I mean, I think that poise is very similar. I think London mm-hmm. Parentes and Kia Clark are two very different players. Cali you cool. Know, they're both Cali cool. Yeah. But London Parentes was more Cali cool. Like, let's just chill back. Let's just and chill. like he controlled the game because he could mm-hmm. control the tempo and really slow it down well with kihei clark he has that quickness and Mm -hmm. for a guy his size you're gonna get by on being super athletic super fierce yeah and you see him wanting to push the tempo and you see him wanting to kind of speed things up a little bit yeah there was one play when kihei brought up the floor and he saw an opening his guy was way off of him and he just took it straight to the basket within like five seconds on the shot clock and i think i was like whoa that's weird. <laughs> that never <laughs> happens. But I think that's something that he has the green light to do. I think Tony says, look, if you've got a lane, go get it. And he's really good with his body. Like he basically, it's hard to show because, you know, this is a audio, but his hand with the ball went straight for the basket and his other hand went way back away from the ball. So he basically stretched out his whole body as big as he could, gave the defender a little bump, and then laid it in really easy. I was really impressed with him. Fundamental, man. Yeah. Fundamental. But, I mean, going back to our original question, he showed he can play with these big guys. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we'll see kind of what happens once we get into ACC play. But we only have three real guards. You know, DeAndre Hunter is going to play that similar role he played last year, kind of that 3-4, mm-hmm. uh, 3-4 crossover, whatever you want to call it. And kind of same with Braxton Key, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of the same role Braxton Key is going to play. So... Really, as far as pure one-two guards, you have Kyle Kai, Ty Jerome, Kihei Clark. Tony Bennett has shown that flexibility in his lineup that we haven't necessarily seen in years past, mm-hmm. where he's willing to get more creative, get more ball handlers on the floor, you know. And I think he's absolutely going to continue to play and maybe even play at similar minutes we've seen. You know, mm-hmm. his biggest, his two starts have been against the best teams we've played so far. Yeah. Yeah, and probably the two most impressive games that this team has shown so far, right? Mm -hmm. And in both games, the team was able to get out to a large lead against Wisconsin, against Maryland. That there at times where it seemed that you know UVA was just going to run away with it, Mm -hmm. but then both Wisconsin and Maryland came back and got close, and both got within four point four points, I think. It was at least single digits, Mm -hmm. and both times this UVA team dug their heels in and they either use their defense to win like they did against Wisconsin Mm -hmm. or they use their offense to win like they did against Maryland. And so I think this UVA team is a little bit different than in years past where sometimes our offense can get a little stagnant, but our defense was always there this year. Our defense is not as good as it was in years past. I, I don't think it is. I think we give up a little bit with Kihei on the floor. I think we don't, we haven't gelled as much, it seems, mm-hmm. but we do have more offense because of that. Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about that. Let's let's make that our number two point, okay. is offense. Is this the most offensively gifted team Tony Bennett has coached at UVA? No. No? No. What team is? I think that 2015, 2000s, no, no. Well, okay. I think the team with London, Malcolm, Justin, Anthony Gill, Mike Toby was probably the most offensively gifted team. Now, they might not have been as good defensively. You know, Mike Toby had his flaws. Anthony Gill wasn't the best down low, but man, he could score. And then also in 2016, 2017, you know, when we had Malcolm in his prime, Anthony Gill in his prime, we still had London, who Mm -hmm. was shooting at a hot clip. And I think that's the team that went to the Elite Eight. I think that was also a really good offensive team. I think it was a really good offensive team for sure. I think both of those teams were. Yeah. 
I think with this team, though, I think this team has the potential and the lineup flexibility and honestly, the coaching creativity and flexibility we haven't really seen. Mm-hmm. I think this team, this current team, uh, is the most offensively talented just with the lineups they can put out there. Mm-hmm. You know, all of, all of this time for the past four years, and we've talked about this, we've seen, you know, Tony Bennett talking about, you know, going small when they really need to score. But like, when we were going small, you know, two years ago, we were going small with like, Mariel Shayok and Darius Thompson on the floor right. at the same time. Right. Last year, you know, we could go small a little bit with DeAndre Hunter, but that's kind of like our normal lineup now. Mm-hmm. Like when I look at this lineup and I could see, uh, you know, a floor lineup, Kihei Clark, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, and Braxton Key. Yeah. There's going to be rare. I, I don't want to say rare, but you're not going to see that a lot. No. But, but when you we really want to score, that's a lineup that can really score – and I think that's a lineup that can really score, unlike teams of old have been able to. The death lineup. I mean, you could even throw Mamadi in there and get Kihei out and get a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. but also be able to score a little bit differently. You know, Mamadi does have those post moves. He has shown that this year. But even though he didn't show it against Maryland, you know, he had zero points. He he does have an in, an available arsenal of moves in order to use. He's got a baseline jumper. He can mm-hmm. hit threes, apparently. He has a nice hook sometimes. Mm-hmm. Consistency is this. Consistency we don't know. is his problem. We don't know. Uh, but uh, I went on to Ken Palm, and I was looking at years past, and I looked at the 2016 team. Their offense was the eighth best in the country. And this year so far... In our terms off- of efficiency? In terms of efficiency, right. Uh, the eighth best efficient offense, and ours this year is only is tenth, which is really good for us. But I think that 2016 team was probably a better offensively at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Right now, this team is still building. Right, Kihei's got an increased role. Braxton, I think, is still finding his place, and I think Mamadi's got to learn how to be more consistent. But once that happens, I think this team could be really good offensively. I think really the difference with this team is that with other teams, you've kind of always sacrificed an offensive option for a player who's better on defense when they're Mm -hmm. on the floor. You know, the past three to four years, every time Isaiah Wilkins was on the floor, even if we were in our small ball lineup, Mm -hmm. you kind of knew what you were going to get with uh, Isaiah Wilkins on the offensive end. And it wasn't much, you know, with all due respect to him, he just wasn't a real threat on as an offensive player, at least as a scorer. Right. And, you know, we've had him the past couple of years. Devin Hall, who started a lot of games with that Elite Eight run, mm-hmm. I mean, that year he scored, what, like four or five points a game? Devin yeah. Hall didn't turn into the player he became really until his senior year. Mm-hmm. I think over the past couple of years, you've seen, even in our like strong scoring lineups, you've seen players on the floor more for their defense and their offense. Mm-hmm. While this year, I think you're going to see players, there's lineups where you can put all five of your players on the floor that are more offensively oriented than defensively oriented. Yeah. And I think that's a huge difference. I think, I think, and you know, we've, we've been talking about this every single podcast since basketball started is these little changes that Tony has made to this team since last year's loss to UMBC. Right. So we've got a more offensively minded scheme going. We're going a little bit smaller. All right. And he's putting the players out there who will get us the win. All right. And so far, it doesn't seem to matter to him about minutes, right? Mm-hmm. He used all of his starters basically the whole time mm-hmm. in that game. Against Maryland. Against Maryland, yeah. And so I think that he's saying, look, we're going to win these games, and we're going to figure out what the best lineup is. And if that means keeping our starters in the whole time, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's different. You, you know, it's different for sure. And I think this kind of leads into our third point a little bit because we do want to talk about some of these players and two players in particular that we're kind of keen on right now is a Braxton key and B J Huff. So let's start with Braxton Mm -hmm. key. Braxton key started the first couple of games kind of playing the three, the four, they would kind of switch Tony Bennett would between him and Deandre Hunter, but Braxton key has kind of been on the bench for a little bit. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, against Maryland Braxton key, while efficient at times, only played 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. He did score 10 points in 11 minutes, but yeah. only played 11 minutes. So I, the question I want to pose is, is 
it in the team's best interest to have Braxton Key coming off the bench? And if so, why? I think it's good because what Braxton brings to the team is a really good defensive player, right? His offense is good, but it's not the main reason why he is highly recruited and highly sought after, right? As a, as a recruit coming out of high school and coming out of Alabama, it's his defense that really promoted him up there. Mm-hmm. Now, his offense is good too. You saw him hit a three in the Maryland game, and you also saw him make a couple layups. He did have a missed layup, but he also made two out of three th- free throws. And he would have been four for four had he made that layup. E- exactly, and the game would have not been as close maybe. But in any case, I think the problem with Braxton right now is meshing, right? Is connecting with other players. And I think that Kihei has done this at a better a much faster rate than anyone expected him to, mm-hmm. right? Is getting that experience playing with these players. Braxton can play, but at times it seems like he's disconnected a little bit. He can get lost on the offensive end and on the defensive end, he doesn't always move as he's supposed to. But I think with time and with ACC play coming, I think he will definitely start to play a little bit more than he has these past couple games. But do you think he'll start in ACC play? I think it depends on the matchup. So you think that fifth starting spot is going to kind of vary game? I think game. it's going to rotate, and I think I think that because once again Tony's changing things, and it used to be Tony would have the same lineup the whole year, and it wouldn't really change, and he might bring DeAndre off the bench within three minutes, you know, last mm-hmm. year, but this year I think he's willing to try new things, and I think that because we've seen that happen before, right? We've had nine different people. No, sorry. We've had eight different people start. Mm-hmm. Kihei and Braxton and Mamadi and Jack all kind of rotate through. Yeah. Sorry, that's only seven people. It's okay. It's all- <laughs> I'm not a math teacher. I'm a history <laughs> teacher. But in any case, you see that the lineups rotate a little bit. And, you know, Jack was injured a little bit and Kihei started to step up a little bit. But I think it's useful to have Mamadi and Braxton because they're so different and you can have so many different lineups. It's like when we play Duke, we might want to put Braxton in there instead of Jack, right? Because mm-hmm. Duke, athleticism. Duke, athleticism, Duke goes pretty small. Or you might want to have Jack because of the physicality, right? And this is going to be up to the coaches to decide based on the week. Mm-hmm. I think Kihei may start more than Braxton starts based on what we've seen so far. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what to make of this. I think it just cause history tells us, I think Tony Bennett will settle into a normal starting five. Mm-hmm. Once ACC plays start, just given the lineups we've put out against the best teams UVA has played this mm-hmm. season leads me to believe he's kind of inclined to start Kihei Clark out there, mm-hmm. but you know, Braxton Key started the first couple of games for a reason. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I do want to say is, well, I agree. I think Kihei Clark is kind of meshed in a little bit quicker than Braxton Key has. Mm-hmm. But I remember we had uh, we had Chris Wright from the Saber on. We asked him about Braxton Key, and the first thing about Braxton Key he said was, you know, you could see the blue white blue white scrimmage, and just that he fits. Mm-hmm. You know, he fits within this system. He fits within this team, and he's honestly a fairly similar player to. DeAndre Hunter. There's a lot of similarities in their game. And he's gonna be a guy that plays a lot. I think I think the minutes he played against Maryland are gonna be on the lower end of the games he's gonna play this season. Okay. I don't think we're gonna see many games where he plays just ten or eleven minutes because but, I think he's too good. But if but if he's I don't think he's gonna start that much. I agree with you. And, and I, think, I think I think also that we're gonna see less and less of him and DeAndre on the floor at the same time as well. I think it depends who if, I, I how, think, we're, how we're playing. I, I do think it depends, but I think that, and this is just me talking and speculating, but I really have no idea about this, but maybe Braxton, because they're so similar, do Braxton Key and DeAndre Hunter not play well off of each other? Well, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you're not going to play really your true mover blocker scheme, I feel like, with them in the game. You're going to try to spread the floor a little yeah. bit more, get more creative. But... I mean, kind of getting back to the original point, I don't think it. I think it could be a good thing for Braxton Key to come off the bench with this team. Because mm-hmm. let's look at our bench. Let's use Maryland at least as the starting point, and yeah. we'll we'll kind of 
delve into the second part of this discussion in a bit with Jay Huff, but you had your starting five, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, Jack Salt, and Kihei Clark. Mm -hmm. So basically the question becomes, if that's your starting five, when you go to the bench, where's he, where are you going to get offense? Mm -hmm. You know, if you put whoever's coming off the bench, you want to at least have one or two guys that can come in and still give you offense. So against Maryland off the bench, we played Braxton Key, Mamadi Diakite, and Marco Anthony. Marco Anthony isn't really going to give you offense. I think he came in as kind of a tone setter more than anything else. He played good defense. He did. He did. I, you got to give Marco credit for that. Yeah, he came he, in and he played well. Sorry, I want to talk about Marco for a sec. He, he came in and he, he knew his role. He played really good defense on Maryland's physical guards. Mm-hmm. I think he will find his minutes this season. And I think Maryland was a really good example of how that's going to be. If Tony's not happy with how someone is playing or, you know, Ty got in foul trouble, we need another kind of a bigger guard in there. Mm-hmm. Marco was able to step in. Yeah. No, Sorry. he did a good job. Let's continue. Well, <laughs> but anyway, Marco Anthony plays six points or plays six minutes off the bench, but scores mm-hmm. zero points. Right. Mamadi Diakite plays 10 minutes off the bench, but scores zero points. He's a guy that you can't count on for consistent minutes. I yeah. think we've learned that, and I think Mamadi Diakite is what he is at this point. He's a talented player who's not consistent. Mm-hmm. So if that's if that's going to be your starting five, the starting five we put out against Maryland and also Wisconsin, Braxton Key might be the only guy who can score points off the bench. Mm-hmm. I think it's at, you don't want to go to the bench and just accept that you're going on scoring droughts. Right. And, you know, with respect to Kihei Clark, he can help create offense, but he's not necessarily scoring a lot of points. Mm-hmm. I think it's good for this team to have a guy like Braxton Key able to come off the bench and provide new energy. Yeah. Because I just think that's a spot where Virginia would put itself at a disadvantage if it had no points coming off the bench. It's kind of like it's kind of like DeAndre Hunter last year. You exactly. Know, you, you put him in and instant offense would would be injected into the team, right? And that's not necessarily the case with Braxton Key, but he can score, and he will have his moments this year where where he will hit a couple threes or where he will make some make some layups, get some putbacks, and I think his role is really important because so far he has been much more consistent off the bench mm-hmm. can, uh, in comparison to other people on the bench yeah for example for sure. jay huff so do we do we want to talk about this now yeah jay huff so let's yes. talk about jay huff jay huff did not play against maryland jay huff or, might not play. or wisconsin or wisconsin making you think what is jay huff's role actually going to be this season mm-hmm. you look at the roster you know preseason you look at the way tony bennett normally constructs his teams and he thought Jay Huff's going to have to play. Even if it's only 10 minutes or so a game, you think to yourself, Jay Huff is going to have to play. Mm-hmm. Well, in the two biggest games this season, Jay Huff hasn't played. What should we read into that? I think we read into it that Tony's not going to use him because he doesn't fit into what UVA is trying to do this year. And I think that while he is a talented player, I think he gives up a lot as well. You know, on defense... I mean, there's no way he would have been able to guard Bruno Fernando. Yeah, no, agreed. Or, yeah, on on Wednesday. I mean, Fernando would have snapped him like a twig. I mean, even Jack had trouble with him, and Jack is the same size as him. So no way would Jay have been able to physically deal with him or mm-hmm. box him out. Now, against Wisconsin, that's a little bit different because Wisconsin has Ethan Hat who is a good player, one of the most efficient players in the country, and Jay had several inches on him. Mm -hmm. But once again, Jack also had trouble with Ethan Happ. Even though Jack had a fantastic defensive game, Ethan Happ still scored 22 points. Now, are you willing to give up what Jay Huff has on defense for his offense or for the potential of his offense? Because even when he's in, he doesn't always necessarily do much on offense Mm -hmm. right like times there are times where he he can come in and he he might take a three or he might do something down low but he's not going to be posting anyone up he's going to take you off the dribble uh or he'll take one step and and lay it in or he'll get a put back dunk but i don't i'm not sure what tony's use for him is going to be except for very situational times 
Yeah, I I have the same takeaway. I mean, I think like don't overthink things. You know, don't don't be the guy who's like, oh, but maybe this, maybe that. You know, in the two biggest games this season, Jay Huff hasn't played. Right, and I think I think that's a very clear signal about Jay Huff's role on the team this year. And I think it's a little disappointing. I'm sure it's disappointing for him. I think it's a little disappointing for us because we were hoping. You know, everyone sees that he's a talented player offensively, but if you physically cannot keep up with the game, and I say keep up because I just don't think his feet are where they need to be. I don't think he puts himself in good position. I don't think he's, while he can jump far and high, you know, he can jump from the free throw line, I don't think he's necessarily as athletic as they'd like to have someone down there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's a shame. And I'm not, I don't want to rule it out entirely, but... I think you got to read from it what you can. You know, Jay Huff has played in five games this season. The two games he didn't play being against the only two ranked teams this team has played. Mm -hmm. So even in the games he has played, he's only played a little over 10 minutes uh, per game. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a shame. It's a shame for him because while he still does have time left, you know, he'll have two years after this. Mm -hmm. He's been with the program for three years and... I just haven't seen a great fit there, and I don't know if we necessarily will see a great fit over the course of his career here. Well, we, we might. Yeah, I mean, we have no idea what can happen this year. I mean, you we might have someone get hurt, and Jay might have to play. We we might have someone get into foul trouble, and he might have to play. But there's definitely going to be games, especially during the ACC season, where he does not see time. And that... that I'm. I'm not really concerned because he hasn't. We haven't seen him play in the last two years either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we, we you don't miss what you don't have, and especially during ACC season. Like he didn't play at all during ACC season last year. He might have played a little bit, but the biggest game he had was against was in the non conference schedule against the weakest opponent that we played, yeah. Austin P. Yeah, right. It was a nice little cameo. It was a great. It was great. He, I mean, we he showed what he could do against a really bad team. Yep. Right. And I think it's and the everyone, same thing this year. And everyone kind of freaked out. It was like, wow. I mean, Jay Huff is great on offense. And he is. Like he he can shoot the three. That is really rare for a guy his size. He has good ball handling skills, right? He can he has good hands. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. He can catch the ball. But what he gives up, he he's a liability sometimes on the defensive end. And I think that what Tony is already giving up some defensive things by starting Kihei so I think Tony's got to pick his poison like do you do you start Jay Huff and get him some offense even if he if, even if he clogs up a little bit on the offensive end or do you start Kihei who also might not give you much on offense but gives you a little bit more versatility yeah I yeah. don't know it, it's an interesting conundrum I think barring injury or barring anything weird happening this season I think just Jay Huff isn't going to play much, which is it just a little, you know, I, we've been wrong about so many things this season. We've been so wrong. <laughs> and part of that's to Tony Bennett's credit that he's mixed it up more. Mm-hmm. You know, we he's this is his 10th year as coach, which is kind of crazy to think about. It's, he's been yeah. here 10 years, but the first nine years he did things one way, and this year he's all of a sudden willing to be a little bit more flexible, which I think mm-hmm. is very good for the program. But, you know, if history is any indication, I, I just don't see a big role for Jay Huff this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I think it's important to look at the future and just see down the road, does he have a role with this team? I think he does. I think he does. But I think it's hard to say right now what he's going to do because we really haven't hit the, the meat of our season yet. Mm-hmm. He'll definitely play against our opponent tomorrow, Morgan State. Right. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. We're, we're looking forward to that. We'll, we'll see him there. But it'll be interesting to see down the road if he gets a lot of time during ACC play. Yeah. And I think it's definitely going to be situational. It's definitely it's, going it's to have to be situational. It's like Marco. I mean, Jay will get his minutes when they come. but Against the I, right team in the right situation. The thing about he's such a enigma. I mean, in people's minds, like people just see... Jay Huff and they're like, oh, like he's so good. Like, why doesn't he start? And it's like, well, okay, like let's actually look at how good he is and yeah, what I mean, he what he gives up. And we've spent ten minutes. On, we've spent ten minutes. We, uh, he's a fun I, we, guy to address. I am obsessed on Jay Huff, and I I don't know why he's not better. Like, why doesn't he play? Jay Huff's gonna be one of the biggest mysteries of 
Virginia basketball history. He, he is a mystery. <laughs> it's like the the mystery of of the appendixes on this team in years past. The Jay Huff mystery. Well, it, it reminds me as a Redskins fan of Colt Brennan. You know, Colt Brennan mm-hmm. was this record-setting Hawaii quarterback, plays mm-hmm. two preseason games, and just shows that he is no way in shape ready for the NFL, mm-hmm. but throws throws just some miracle passes, gets some touchdowns. This is during some bad Redskins seasons. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I don't even remember who our quarter... It might have been the Rex Grossman years. I don't know. Gross. But everyone was like, Gross. oh, throw, throw Colt Brennan in there. We saw yeah. what he could do during his preseason games. You're like, ah... Yeah. Oh, Colt Brennan was the most popular guy on the field for no reason at all. That's kind of how Jay Huff is, I feel like. You know, he's just this interesting guy to talk about. And I just don't think we're going to see production from him this year. And, you know, unless anything changes drastically kind of with the program or with his own game, I don't see him being a real contributor either the next two years either. Wow. It's just how it is. All right. Well, we'll 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 see how much he plays this year going forward. But... I think that this team is different. It is new. It is fun. It is interesting. And tomorrow on Monday, probably when you guys listen to this, they will be playing Morgan State, which is really, I would say, an RPI killer, but the RPI is dead. I right? love the net rankings, I, though. I like the, the net, net rankings. rankings are very good. For those who don't know, the net is a new ranking system that was brought out by the NCAA and it has UVA as the best team in the country. And it's some algorithm. It like, I, I don't, a really good one. It's a good, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, 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 it does, uh, offensive and defensive fif- efficiencies. And it also takes into, into account the, the amount of points that you beat a team by based on where you are. So if you're on a neutral court or a home court or a away court. Yeah. It's a, it's a great, great tool they're using mm-hmm. now. <laughs> so really really loving that one yeah you'll hear more about the net <laughs> we, i don't understand it but i, I don't like understand it. any of them i like it. it it's a good good system really smart people came yeah. up with it but uh, you know morgan state depending on when this gets out we might or might not have played them by then ken palm gives us a 99.7 percent chance of winning and it's you know good. ken palm actually ranks them number 324 which makes them the second lowest team Virginia has faced behind number 350, Coppin State. So I think Jay Huff will play tomorrow night. Yeah, we'll see, though. We'll see. Uh, Rob, is there anything else that you want to talk about with basketball? I think I think we hit a lot of it. Now, you, yeah. We're just developing still. This is a team still developing, and you know we'll just, we'll just see kind of how it shakes out. But there's a lot of pieces— and I've said it, I think this is going to be the best offensive team Tony Bennett has coached. And I think that's going to make a big difference, you know, once we get into the NCAA tournament. Just having a lineup where five people can legitimately score, I think I think that's big. And I think that's a situation Tony Bennett hasn't had at his disposal before. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. All right, do you want to talk about football now? Yeah, let's let's do it. All right, let's dive right in. So today... And Rob is opening his big notebook now. He has a I lot got of lots of notes. He's got some stuff written down. <laughs> but today it was announced that UVA is going to play in the Belk Bowl, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina, against South Carolina from the SEC. Rob, some quick thoughts about this news. I think South Carolina is an NC State 2.0. Now, if you remember, Virginia lost that game to NC State. It was early in the season. But there were opportunities, especially in that first half, where Virginia really could have made things interesting. And there were opportunities in the second half, which might not have won Virginia the game, but it would have given Virginia a much better, at at least a chance to win the game. Mm -hmm. You know, they had two drives stall in the red zone. What I'm getting at is this is, I'm excited about this game. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about this game. And this is not a bad South Carolina team, but it's a South Carolina team that can be beat. And I think having played NC State, I think that's going to be a really good preparation and a good prep, good comparison for the coaches to see how they match up. You know, South Carolina seven five seven and five four and four in the SEC. All five of their losses are to ranked teams: Georgia, Kentucky, Texas A and M, Florida, and Clemson. And they're a past first team. They've got some talented receivers. They've got 
a pro-style quarterback who has been inconsistent at times, but has also flashed really good talent at times. I'm excited about this matchup. In Mm -hmm. Charlotte, brand-name team, an beatable brand name team at that. I'm really excited about this matchup. Yeah, they they are a passing team at heart. Their their leading rusher only has 633 yards. Uh, he averages 5.4 yards carry. His name is Rico Dowdle. That Great is a name. that is a name to say, and he has only four touchdowns on the season. So they, they I mean, at heart, they are a passing team. Their quarterback Jake ben, Jake Bentley uh, completes 63.9 percent of his passes with 12 or 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He's pretty good. He has, he almost has 3000 yards on the season. Mm-hmm. And you know, the 64% completion rate is a good mm-hmm. number, especially for a college quarterback. It's yeah. a good number. 12 27 touchdowns to just 12 interceptions, but he actually had a pretty rocky start to the season. You know, there were some people calling for him to be benched. You know, this is a guy who was a really big recruit coming out of high school. He was a four-star recruit, 24-7 rated him as the number five pro-style quarterback in the class. And he started his final seven games as a true freshman. He started every game last year as a sophomore, and he started every game this year as a junior. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the season, there were some questions on his decision-making. Through the first five games of the season, he only had seven touchdowns to uh, six interceptions. But he's really turned it on kind of once the SEC slate hit. You know, he finished the final seven games with 20 touchdowns and six interceptions, kind of headlined by his performance against Clemson, where even though they lost by 21 points, Jake Bentley threw for 510 yards and five touchdown passes. You know, just a lot of talent out there. You look at the receivers, two legit potential NFL receivers here and Debo Samuel who's a senior, and Brian Edwards, who's junior. Debo Samuel finished the season with 62 receptions, 882 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Five of those receiving touchdowns have come in the past two weeks, uh, three against Clemson and two against Akron. And then you have Brian Edwards, 52 receptions for 809 yards and seven touchdowns. Mm -hmm. This is a South Carolina team whose strength is to throw the football. And this is a Virginia defense whose strength is defending the pass yeah you know this is i think this is going to be a really really good game it'll be a fun game it'll be a fun game to watch definitely and what i'm looking for is can we get healthy and can we game plan for this team you know the last time we had a bowl game it looked like we just sat (laughs) around for a month right i mean it was against the triple option like Mm -hmm. This is that is a that is something that you can plan for. That is something that you can practice. Uh, for this game, it should be easier to game plan for South Carolina. I think. Yeah, I'm. You know, the Navy game happened. Right, but it was a game. I also think that's one of the rare kind of anomaly type of games where I hate the saying, just like throw the tape out the window, but mm-hmm. like just throw it out the window. You know, <laughs> it it's a bowl game and a weird place to play. You know, that stadium is not very big. It's the first time this team had played in a long time in a bowl mm-hmm. game. And it was against a triple option that, quite frankly, had a lot more wrinkles in it than mm-hmm. Georgia Tech's did. Also, Georgia Tech, Paul Johnson retiring. And anyway, <laughs> just throw that in there. Throw that in there. But You don't want to go into any more depth <laughs> on that. Just I'm glad like, the triple option will hopefully be out of the ACC. Hopefully. I, I mean, it's a pain in the butt to play well, them They're looking at Ken Wisenhunt as of recording, so I... I'd be happy if that happened. Who who does he coach? Uh, he's the Chargers offensive coordinator. Oh. We're actually watching the Chargers game right now against yeah. the Steelers. Well, they have zero points so far. Oh no, no, they have three. I can't. I don't tell. want. I want the triple option out of the ACC. Yeah. It's an antiquated system. <laughs> I get why the academies do it. I don't get why any other coach in his right mind mm-hmm. with Power Five players would want to play the triple option. That's my rant. But up, up, <laughs> update. The Chargers have zero points so far in the, in the first quarter. Halfway through the first Halfway quarter. through the first They'll quarter. They'll pick it up. I hope they hire him. Good hire for Georgia Tech. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, I think that's such an anomaly. And I think yeah, I was shocked. I was like watching that game. I was like, wow, Georgia Tech doesn't do this. They don't do that. Like Navy ran a much more diverse triple option system than Georgia Tech did. Mm-hmm. And against this team, against South Carolina, Virginia's played you know, passing teams this season. They've played good passing teams. And I think NC State is still the best comparison comp, if you will, for this game. I, 
I think this is going to be a really competitive game. I think this is going to be a really competitive game, and it's one that Virginia will be healthy for. I think the biggest health issue we should t- be talking about, oh, well, I was going to say Bryce Perkins. I think it's actually mm-hmm. the secondary now that I think about it. Bryce Perkins was slowed big time as a runner against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. What he did was incredible. You could tell he did not have the same speed he had to start the year. But you think about our secondary at corner, you'll have, you know, Bryce Hall, he's been healthy. Tim Harris has been healthy. But the big things are Brendan Nelson and Joey Blunt have been slowed by injuries. Mm-hmm. And they're both presumably going to be fully healthy for this game, given almost a month of rest. Unfortunately, Mandy Alonso is still out for the year. But I think the secondary will be at full strength with what we've had this year. And I think mm-hmm. that's big time. And I I don't think running the ball, which is the weakness of this defense is stopping the run, is really going to be what decides this game. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be strength versus strength. You know, Jake Bentley's going to air it out and we're going to have to see if we can stop it. Now, the, the, the good thing about South Carolina is that they do give up a lot of yards per game. They give up 425 yards per game, 230 in the air, and almost 200 on the ground. So if we can get our ground game of Jordan Ellis and Bryce Perkins going again, uh, hopefully we can get something going on offense. Yeah, and I think it goes even deep. You know, it's a bowl game. It's supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. So we'll see kind of if Bronco has any wrinkles up his sleeve too, you know, any any p- rushing plays for, you know, Lamade Zacchaeus, yeah. DeForest Kelly, mm-hmm. maybe Lamont Atkins a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I want to win. I think it's important for this team to win. Yeah. And with, you know, a, I'm always looking for tor- short-term tangible results. You know, Gary Ballinger, Professor Ballinger, if you're listening to this, he taught our managing and leading class and you talk about turning around a program <laughs> or turning around a company in this state. But same thing, you know, you want to have visions, but you also got to be able to achieve your short-term goals. You got to be able to have something tangible for people to continue to buy in. Now, there's no doubt this season was, I think, a success. I would have liked to beat Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. But continuing to like pile up tangible results. You know, This year, they hit seven wins. Hadn't done that for a while. They're going to a bowl game for back-to-back years for the first time since uh, 2004, 2005. How about winning a bowl game mm-hmm. first time since, what, 2005 how about winning ending the season on a winning note first time since 2005 how about hitting eight games eight wins first time since 2011 continue to get those tangible results where you know people can believe they can continue to buy in and just continued selling points on the recruiting front Mm -hmm. yeah and you you talked about the virginia tech game and i said last week that i really didn't care about the bowl game and i i was emotional i I do care (laughs) about this game that I, I do care if we win this game. I think it would be really important, especially for the for the team and for the fan base as well. You know, you're talking about getting tickets to the to the game next year. You're talking about all these things that we need fans to buy in. Mm-hmm. And to buy in, you need to win games. And this is a great opportunity for this team to win a game, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to be in prime time on ABC at noon on December 29th at Bank of America Stadium. Fun fact, both UVA and South Carolina are 5-0 and combined at Bank of America Stadium. Did the Belk Bowl tweet that out? The Belk yes, Bowl Twitter Belk account Bowl tweeted is that one, out. Of the, one, of, one of the more eccentric Twitter accounts you will find I, out there. I, I followed it. I mean, I, I want to keep hearing updates <laughs> from them. They, they were teasing a lot. They were talking about Bojangles. And it, during the the deci- when they were deciding, and then they tweeted out that the Bojangles was gone, yeah. and they didn't know who who was going to play anymore. And then they decided to say that UVA and South Carolina were going to play at around four thirty today. Sometimes you just get like a rogue social media intern, <laughs> and like you know the, U- like, the, the, the UMBC, UMBC type guy who's look, still on it, who still tweets like they yeah. just beat us. And then look the, at the like the Wendy's Twitter yeah, account is is one of my favorites. People. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is the same type of Twitter account. They're they're proud to be the Belk Bowl, no right. doubt. They're proud to be the best bowl. Belk bowl. <laughs> Belk bowl equals best bowl is literally the title of their account literally right their now. Account. But uh, you talk about being excited again. I think that's Bronco even said it in his comments today on the conference call. Just playing in kind of a high, like a higher bowl game than mm-hmm. you know. With all due respect to the military bowl. I think it was good for our program at the time. I hope we don't go back to the military bowl anytime soon. <laughs> like it was an awful experience. It was not it was good. Bad. It was a <laughs> bad game. There's nothing good. Came it, that not game. really great opponents or at least fun opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Belk bowl is a tier one bowl and it's a big deal. They wanted UVA. 
South Carolina is an SEC team, like brand recognition team. You know, you've had legit players come through South Carolina. And I think I think part of the energy you're feeling and that I'm feeling is, you know, we're, this is a good bowl game. Tier 1 ACC bowl is a good bowl game. And it's it should be fun. And I think this is an opponent that Virginia can hang with. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, I think we're basically done with football talk and talking about the bowl game. Rob, anything else you want to add about the bowl game? Beat beat the Gamecocks. Beat man. Gamecocks. Beat Gamecocks. So with that, I think it's time to give some yells. Yeah, let's give some yells. Not the greatest start to the season so far for the UVA women's basketball team, but they won their game today against Coppin State, 55-41. So UVA men's and women's basketball gets the sweep. Just not not the greatest start to the season so far for their team. You know, three and five start. But they'll get better. Hopefully they'll turn around. New coach, Tina Thompson. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and my yell uh, is going out to the Belk Bowl once again. But it, we already talked about their Twitter account, which is awesome. But I also enjoy reading about what the players do the week following the bowl or or leading up to the bowl and this year the south carolina and the uva players are all going to drive cars on the charlotte motor speedway and they're going to have a tire changing competition with the other teams and they are going to help feed uh, hungry people in the charlotte area before the game so all good things and i'm really excited to watch this bowl game yeah, it could yeah. be a fun one. I'm uh, excited about this. I'm excited. But with that, I think that's it for this week. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram yep. at Guys and Ties Pod. Great content. Make sure to follow us on iTunes and Podbean if you want to keep listening. And we'll see you guys next week. Beat Morgan State.